Great, we did again. We're live, hopefully. Uh, yeah, I will double check just to be sure. Uh, but yeah, um, once again, uh, the Security Break podcast is live. And today with me, there's uh, Pasquale Stirparo. Hi, Pasquale, how are you? Hi, hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. All good. That's great. Um, Good. So uh, welcome back. If this is the first time, uh, this is just a little project of mine uh, where I invite cool people like Pasquale this time, uh, just to have a you know a random conversation on uh, some of the last security news, and uh, you know the goal is just to uh, you know um, have the conversation, learn in the process, just from you know different background, the different knowledge that uh, the other person has um, uh, compared to me. And hopefully, you know, anyone watching this uh, can also, you know, learn something in the process, maybe contribute a little, a little bit, just because, you know, this is live uh, at this moment. Uh, you can definitely use the chat uh, here to, um, you know, uh, contribute a little bit and talk with us. Uh, otherwise, even, you know, uh, later on, uh, this will be uh, still um, available on YouTube. Uh, so feel free to to watch that, comment that. Let us know if you have any um, uh, any feedback for us, anything that we can improve, or just if you are enjoying this. And I should just you know do it a little more uh, for for a few more episodes. So that's it. Um, as I said, I'm so happy to have Pasquale uh, today with me. Um, and uh, maybe you know, Pasquale, do you want to introduce yourself just you know briefly? Yeah, try to be quick and as less boring as possible so we can move them to the more interesting stuff. But um, yeah, uh, just for to give a bit of a background, I'm a, an independent security researcher right now. So uh, this means I, uh, my daily job, I, I track uh, uh, threat groups. Uh, I'm mostly focusing on, uh, on uh, state-sponsored uh, threat actors, but uh, like also, of course, cybercrime is, is part of the... Part of the game as well. My background mostly I started as a forensics, uh, digital forensics uh, uh, engineer, and then I moved more into uh, mobile forensics. That was mostly of a, a passion of mine, um, and then uh, moved into research for a bit at the European Commission. And then the last ten years have been uh, fully focusing on uh, incident response, malware analysis, and threat intelligence uh, in a different uh, different organization. And since one year. Exactly one year. I'm now independent, uh, so yeah, that's in a nutshell. That's very cool, and I think it's also pretty difficult to you know summarize everything. I know you have a very uh, you know long background, and there's a lot to to um, uh, just to say about it. But I know there are um, you, you you spoke about it in other you know other formats, other uh, resources that are. You know, out there on the internet, I'll I'll put you know um, Pasquale contact in the description if anyone wants to, to reach out to him for any reason. But uh, you know, if you just search for him, I, I'm sure you will find something uh, where he talks a little more about all of his background and what he does. And I'm I'm sure it's gonna be uh, very interesting, or at least it's for me. Hopefully, it'll be for you as well. Uh, that's uh, that's cool. So the idea today is this one. I'm going to share my screen. Uh, we've collected yeah. a couple of uh, uh, news uh, and articles, as I said. And um, after just introducing the article itself, we're going to you know, just 
uh, discuss about it and see uh, what you know um, what we think about it, what could be consequences or just you know relations and everything. So let's uh, let me try to um, share my screen here. Here it is. Okay, that's better. Um, great. So the first one is an article from uh, the um, just. Uh, uh, the blog from uh, um, Chris Krebs, by the way. Uh, I always uh, suggest these, uh, um, this resource here. I think uh, all of the articles are often very interesting. And this time, uh, this is talking about um, something that affected, I will say, the Uniper Networks company. Uh, if, uh, if you don't know about it, it's, it's basically, uh, uh, I will say, a network devices vendor. So they provide yeah. hardware and software uh, related to network and network security, probably. I think they have- Yeah, yeah. mostly routers and yeah, related uh, services around. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the thing is that um, apparently uh, uh, a guy from uh, uh, working for one of the customers uh, of Uniper Networks um, basically was, was looking for uh, some, uh, some documentation, some information on their uh, customer portal and uh, realized that he was actually able uh, to find out information not only about you know, their own devices, like their, um, their company's devices, but also any other devices that Uniper Networks has sold to any other customers. Or uh, we don't know if all of them, but definitely, a lot of other customers are on the world uh, where basically um, uh, very easy to search for. Uh, I think uh, it's uh, specified, yeah, in there that uh, just to do an example, um, uh, the researcher uh, that's called Lock and George, by the way, uh, tried to, to look for Amazon.com and find out a list of devices that uh, were, were sold to, uh, to that specific company, but you could search for, for anything, basically. Um, also, because I will say that Uniper Network is one of the probably probably one of the market leaders out there, so you're yeah. going to find out mm -hmm. a lot of customers, right? Um, so that's the thing, and you know it's interesting for us. I will say because of course, if you get to know um, which devices a specific company has, and if uh, they are currently uh, currently being uh, supported, meaning that. Um, Uniper is providing uh, patches and uh, security updates, right? You'll also get to know uh, very easily if not only they have specific devices, but also if maybe they are vulnerable to some specific vulnerabilities, right? Um, it's very easy to go in there, look for CVEs affecting a specific vendor or a specific device. And if you have, okay, this, uh, this device is not supported since, I don't know, uh, two years, you can definitely see, okay, this is going to be uh, definitely vulnerable to that specific vulnerability. So it's a way, I would say, that attackers could use potentially uh, to do some reconnaissance, right? Um, so, uh, I mean, I think there's a lot to talk about. Uh, like, first of all, how do we think this, um, how bad this is, right? Uh, does this uh, really pose a security risk of some kind? Is this a big issue or maybe or maybe not? Maybe it's not that, uh, that risky. What, what do you think? So it's, uh, it's uh, definitely interesting. I, 
Um, so this actually came out. This uh, this guy. It's um, actually was a is an internet. I mean, not to blame the internet always. It's a, like it wasn't like even during a, a security assessment or testing. Like it was right. just trying to configure the network and by say, hey, let me see if I can just Google kind of hear the name of other companies. And he found out this information and was which on one hand was just contractual information. Like, yes, you have this is up to date. But being uh, one of the user, he knows that, uh, well, if you don't have um, the contract uh, in place, the support in place, then you're going to get patches. So that was uh, for sure an interesting type of knowledge. The other details I think I mentioned there were like, uh, it's also like uh, location-wise, so you can also place like okay, these are routers that uh, it's in the Southeast Asia network of yeah. Amazon.com. So it's also like it's very, very quite almost targeted type of information you can use. Another way to tone down a bit, so it's definitely a, a risk is definitely bad. But on the other hand, like you know, also when I first read it, I was like, oh, that that's that's bad. Uh, but then I was like, wait a second, you need, I mean, this guy was a customer. So you need to have a customer. You need to already be a customer, which doesn't mean anything. I mean, if you know that this is a vulnerability, you can, it's so cheap to get and become a customer if you can gain the knowledge of potentially right. exploding so many things that it's it's a, it's a worth investment for a criminal that has the capability and the intent to, to go ahead that poses a threat to this. Um, but it's of course needs to be said that this has to be turned down. It's not like a full remote exploitation type of vulnerability. It's it requires you to have an account to be a customer Juniper and so be part of the network. So it's bad. It's less available to anybody as right. initially uh, expected. So it's uh, th that's something to to keep into account uh, for sure. Um, to me, what, what was interesting here, and it's another sign of like it's the um, Trying to understand a bit the, like, you know, sure, vulnerable software, misconfiguration, and everything. But apparently, this was uh, so basically the Juniper portal was like using kind of, I was just the, the UI of the Salesforce engine yeah. in the background. And looks like there were not enough, like, the problem was like with some permits. Uh, yeah. So, Juniper is a Salesforce customer, didn't have enough permit to configure. So, it was. This is kind of to prove that it's uh, it shows the complexity that we it's an overlay system we built for ourselves. Like we, we're 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 shooting ourselves in the foot uh, yeah. nowadays because we built we keep building and adding complexity instead of uh, reducing it. Because if we have learned anything, like just also from software uh, type of vulnerability, it's it's you know, the more complexity, the more easy is to introduce uh, uh, an issue, a problem in the software or here a misconfiguration and the more difficult is to find it because if you need to go through so many dependencies so many connections it's just uh, it's it's just a nightmare um so this is like a, it seems to have been like a basic permission type of configuration thing but it's not that easy and straightforward to probably to find it and uh and this is a serious concern because this is where we are getting, unfortunately, as I was saying, like feels any new system, any new startup, it's like building something on top of something else, which has other dependencies, which it gets so intricate and especially big corporation that it's like, it's a, you know, it's a compounding, like you keep going. It's like, okay, I, I bought this service 10 years ago. 
and they keep adding stuff on top of it. I don't even know. Yeah. It's like I feel it's almost like when you enter in a in a, in a company as a. Uh, I remember I was doing this uh, my first jobs and then I gave up. Like, hey, the, the first <laughs> thing I was asking was a network uh, topology diagram. Like nobody has the actual file. No. And the same thing goes with uh, if you. I, I'm pretty sure if you ask for the services, that's the same thing. And uh, yeah. so this is something I push a lot, which uh, somebody may say. It's an information that should be available internally, and uh, I I push this a lot when I, I either present or talk to, to people about. Uh, I mean, clearly I'm biased on the Intel side because that's what I do daily basis. But having also built Intel teams, it's like this is very much into the the requirements phase, and it's something uh, like I always urge security team and Intel team, especially if there has one to do, like when you start off, you need to know what you're protecting means you need to know also all your risk. You need to know all the dependencies. So like, uh, I remember like when I was setting up the team, I was like, okay, first three months is like, we do not exist. So we need to build the requirements. You need to go and talk to as a security team. Let's say you don't need, maybe you're not mature now that you need to have a full Intel team. As a security team, you need to protect the, the your network, your company. So you need to know what you're protecting, what you need to look for. Um, I remember in one once I asked, okay, do we have any Mac system in the in the in the company? Like, no, no, it's all Windows. And then later we found out there were four thousand. The whole marketing department was <laughs> Mac. Like, nobody knew. I'm like, that's just a few of them, right? <laughs> yeah, and this was easy to spot because it's like, yeah, does anybody use a Mac in the company? We should see from the traffic. You know, it's easy to do detection of devices in, in your network. Uh, for this type of services, which it's actually now we're building a lot more into services, it's mostly services where in our networks and dependencies. It's still something like I, I think, and this is a, like an advice I always give as a requirement phase, regardless whether you're building or not an Intel team, requirements. This is another thing like people see, uh, you may see online like this maturity model, like Intel, it's the last thing, in, which is true. You first need to build, you know, visibility action, and, and Intel is the last piece. Once you have matured everything else, what is mistaken by people uh, and uh, some other experts online is that that's Intel is not a block only. It's like it's a, it's a stream. So right. the initial block, the requirement doesn't matter if you're going to build a full Intel team later. It's it's something that will give will help you find the the gaps, visibility gaps. And clearly here you have a visibility gap because uh, you need to know that, uh, okay, we have those services in the company. What do we expose on the internet? Okay, this uh, portal to find out, okay, what, is, what does this portal depend on? Okay, it depends on this other service. Okay, who's the service Salesforce? Okay, what, so it, 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 of course it gets growing messy and chaotic. But first of all, you are aware if you start at least, and then you can also prioritize. You will never be able to look for everything. That's mm. uh, that, that. I mean, either you are probably Google or Microsoft, and even there, it's hard. Uh, but otherwise, other companies, it's like check what you have, what your dependencies, and then prioritize because that's a matter of risk. And then you need to say, okay, I these are the top two risk I'm uh, willing. To take and these are the risk and definitely need to mitigate and make sure that uh, i have full coverage and monitor for that yeah um, i would say that's that that's always the case right with with any company with any organization and uh even though it that's the the first step that anyone needs to do still it's probably the the, the most difficult one 
right? Like sometimes yeah. companies start doing some fancy stuff just because, uh, you know, it seems right to do so. While the, the first thing, the very basic is getting to know your own environment, getting yeah, you know, a... to know everything you have, all of your assets, and then understand what to do uh, based on that, right? I get that it's uh, boring or at least less, it's, I don't find it boring, it's at least for sure less fancy than, okay, now let's start track uh, APT, whatever number you're gonna put on it. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's uh, you will eventually fail uh, because you don't know what you're looking for and what you're correcting right. uh, and things will just bump up when it's too late, usually, like in this case. Um, so it's, uh, it's an exercise I always advise everybody to do um there is a uh, it's not a type of self-promotion but there is a, a presentation i made uh, 2018 i believe was 2019 was pre-pandemic uh like about internal requirements your requirements are not my requirements and there i try to specify like you know you have categories that you know, the business one the purely tech ones and this is a part of a, a mix like because maybe i don't know this is uh you can say these, there are some software in some complex organization which are, you know, even if you talk to the IT team, they may not be aware of because it's a software just used, let's say, by HR or by uh, other teams. So they have their own internal IT team maybe. So it's like, okay, they manage, they, they buy it, they, they do the uh, deployment and everything. But their only way to know how your company works and what you may have, it's, okay, let's start, what are the main business to have uh, marketing hr uh, sales procurement okay i'm gonna talk to each one of them and see ask them let's see how they organize do they use their own internal configuration do they use their own team do they use do we have a centralized it team then i talk only to them um so it's an exercise that it's uh, uh it's not a panacea but it's definitely what i strongly advise everybody to do regardless whether you're gonna be, i mean it's part of the intel kind of journey but it's useful regardless whether you're going to end up building a full intelligence team because it will, uh, yeah, get your... It's going to be beneficial. The visibility gap. Yeah, yeah. Knowledge and visibility gap. It's the, the, the main problem we have, it's visibility. This is a clear problem of visibility. You, you as a Juniper company, you are not aware of this. Um, so it's uh, definitely... Uh, because, uh, yeah, just to, to include, it's it's... Worth it because it's at the moment is the key thing, and we may talk a bit later also with the other article. Because again, you will we cannot uh, think and claim that oh, I'm doing a pen test and then I'm, I know I'm secure or I have this type of software. There is no 100% security, even the most secure and well thought and, and, and planned uh, network uh, software service will eventually have a bug and issue or there will be a human misconfiguration. The only way is visibility. That's what you need to do in all the cases. So that, that's the way to, to try to win, well, win, mitigate. Yeah, yeah. You know, we always try to do our best, uh, even though we know that anytime, you know, uh, let's say a data breach can always happen uh, because something is missing because there's a new that we don't even know about or whatever. But definitely there's some basics that, everyone should, should uh, follow. Just a couple of things that you mentioned, I think they're very interesting. And then we'll move to the, to the next one. Um, first of all, you mentioned that, uh, of course, this you have to be a customer uh, of Unipers, right? 
to, to get access to that information. Actually, you had to because uh, apparently it was fixed now. Yeah, um, but um, the thing is, could this have been some sort of supply chain attack? Right. Let's say that you know I get access to um, a network from uh, a customer of Unipers as an attacker, right? And then I, I somehow I uh, I discovered that I can get access to you know uh, uh, their their customer support portal and uh, maybe you know for that reason find out about a new vulnerability and move to a new network uh, from another company. Does that make sense? Absolutely. This this classify in my book under supply chain. This is a good point because uh, I often uh, uh, end up when we talk about supply chain. What we all have in mind is uh, supply chain is oh you hacked uh, company like SolarWinds. You hacked company X. You uh, trojanized the update and they got pushed to my network and now you have uh, foothold in my network because uh, you own it. While we, it's often very so. There has been, a, especially again, uh, Solar Wind was a big, massive right. case, uh, very big target. Got to spotlight, so people immediately and, and providers shifted towards uh, let's like you know like let's in, increase the way we can uh, verify that updates are uh, legit. That are happening, that there is no compromise. So, but everybody was following, and it still is. I, I mean, I, I still see people like we are focusing on the software supply chain, like updates part. Right. But this, I, I call it the service or kind of supply chain. I mean, this is still supply chain because you are hacking. Here, you are not hacking because, let's say, if you buy a, it's um, you are not officially breaching, but you are buying. Let's say I buy a Juniper, I become customer because it's going to cost very low to then reach into Amazon. Right. So I'm not hacking Juniper. I'm just misusing and in order to get relevant information. But it's part of your supply chain. No, it's part of yeah. the services that you have as a let's say you're Amazon. So I'm in, injecting myself into your supply chain, into your service supply chain. Uh, and this is something we, we don't see. Like this is, for example, very critical into the ICS space or even with MSSP. Those right. are companies in the ICS space. For example, you have uh, a lot of remote, you know, because you have uh, equipment, uh, I don't know, wind turbines or things like this that are far remote in remote places. Imagine you have a malfunction and you need the vendor. Hey, can you check what the hell is going on? And, and you can't ship people immediately in the middle of nowhere. So there is often a remote from the vendor, a remote uh, connection to, to maintenance. To, and, and the same goes just even normal IT business, MSSP. It's like you have kind of super privileged access to my network because you need to do security if anything happens. Yeah, possibly administrative and, access, right? Yeah, yeah, super high level privileged. So if I manage to hack you, most likely I have access to 40. I mean, I hack one and I have access to 40 other networks. So it's uh, the, the network supply chain has gone a bit in the kind of gotten, not forgotten, but has less uh, media attention, less people attention. Why it's, I think it's still crucial actually. Uh, probably because I would say it's, it is probably easier if you, like hacking into a company, inject into their build system. It's a very high sophisticated, like breaching into a network of a vendor and then pivoting and ending up into getting another connection. It's probably easier and there is more of this 
so it's it's uh, probably available to more attackers as a capability than than, than the other yeah. one we are all worried about but it's it's less sexy i don't know <laughs> i don't know but yeah i i think i definitely agree with you and, and by the way uh, this conversation is super interesting but as i mentioned to you while we were offline you know we have limited time, so I'm gonna, you know, yeah, yeah move on. Let's move on. Yeah, stop me anytime. <laughs> I, uh, otherwise, I tend to talk too much. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's super interesting. I think we, we could potentially go on with just the first news for, for more than an hour very easily. But we have something more. Uh, this is actually the second news from today. And I think there are a couple of inter interesting things from, you know, regarding this as well, especially because I think. Somehow, uh, you know, because of your uh, background in digital forensics, somehow this could be, uh, you know, we could have a nice conversation. So the point here is that, you know, uh, there was like a, um, a public statement from uh, Meta. Uh, if you don't know about this, Meta is the company behind Facebook, Instagram, and I think they have a new social network right now uh, that I don't remember the name, but anyway. Definitely, you, you'll know about this. And, uh, you know, this is a period where everyone is already talking about uh, elections uh, in the U.S., but also, of course, in, in other uh, countries as well. And the thing is that um, all, all of the social network companies are always, uh, you know, uh, on the radar, let's say, uh, because of, uh, you know, previous events we had uh, from, uh, you know, misinformation to manipulation of... Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, votes, voting, and, and so on and so forth. So they're always pushed, but also they are, you know, um, definitely trying to um, get ahead of new technologies, new ways to to exploit their, their own technologies and so on and so forth. The new thing today is, of course, uh, artificial intelligence, AI, right? And everyone is talking about all of the potential misuses or just, you know, uh, exploitation of these technologies in order to spread uh, misinformation or just you know, to manipulate the uh, the information about anything, but it's it's definitely um, more more you know uh, it's riskier and uh, more interesting regarding uh, uh, you know elections. And the thing is that we everyone right now today you know can go on uh, you know ChatGPT or Google Bard or whatever and produce very easily and very quickly some uh, uh, made-up information, being those, uh, you know, images, videos, audios, or even just text, and um, uh, maybe, maybe uh, you know, push that or, or post that uh, on any social media, right? So uh, Meta is trying to, to work on something to, I will not say prevent it, but just to regulate, you know, that kind of, uh, of actions, of activity. And the way they are going to do this, and this is, you know, um, their own statement, is basically labeling, uh, you know, AI-created um, images uh, with, you know, a watermark that says, you know, basically created by AI, right? And um, another thing that is very interesting to me is the, not only the fact that they are going to label, that's, I will say that's fine. Uh, I don't see any, any uh, bad thing about it. The thing is, like my first question while reading this was, uh, how are they going to identify, right, the AI images on, on the first place uh, before watermarking it? And the thing is that 
they basically require right some metadata in the image itself uh what are metadata you know very very you know uh, just to to be quick on this we are talking about data about the data right so they are let's say hidden information that you can find on any kind of files included you know images uh, where you know you you specify who the who created the image uh, when it was done with which technology and so on and so forth depending on you know what kind of metadata you're using what kind of operating system and so on and so forth so the thing is that there is a requirement right so what if that requirement is not fulfilled by the, the person or the vendor or whoever right is this a thing that is even useful at any level uh, so it's uh i mean clearly you know, everything uh, we are entering in a in a new era also from a security perspective uh, right. due to ai and this is special for this information uh, more than regulating uh, what they're trying to do is just like uh, uh awareness like inform like okay you as a user you should be informed that this is not a real content the, as you say though the the, the, the the again titles are always like oh well they're just gonna label it. it's uh, and then if you're my reading was clearly like, like, okay, they will, as a company, apply watermark. And I think it's there's going to be, my, my understanding is that there is an idea, at least the big player, they will watermark. It's in their interest not to have their own technology also misused, right? Uh, Meta right. and uh, Google and uh, Microsoft, they all provide uh, with BAR, with uh, ChatGPT, Dali, and so on and so forth. Uh, service. So they, they, you don't want uh, this to get too much uh, misused or abused. Uh, but this indeed, uh, uh, it's a. They also say like, first of all, it works only with images. It doesn't work with text, right. and it only works with images that have been watermarked. So sure, the official images coming directly from Dali and uh, Meta, whatever is going to be the range in, uh, are going to be watermarked. Okay, but the problem, and as I said here, was the the election year. So the problem with this information, like. I'm not gonna use one of those if I need to create. Sure, those are the best one, but there is so many free. I mean, now it's so accessible to technology that you can train and create and have your own model and then do enough stuff without having to go through the watermarking thing. So this is a big limitation, but the biggest to me is not, the, I mean, even leave aside the watermarking part. The biggest limitation is the image versus text. Uh, because, uh, sure, I mean, there have been since uh, a while now that, and this is something I think a problem that if there is any good color machine learning expert, this is a good problem to tackle, detecting uh, uh, AI generated content with uh, with uh, enough accuracy uh, to be, right, say, to have good, good results. Uh, but text is the, I mean, it's, it, Especially because the, the the stage behind this article is correct. This is a crazy year. Uh, there is a, uh, I mean, it's election not only in the US. It's uh, seven of the ten biggest. I mean, there is a nice. There was a, this month a nice article on the foreign policy. The last issues. This is like seven of the ten biggest uh, countries are going to vote. Forty percent of the global population is going to vote. This is insane. I mean, this year can can flip completely the the. the how do we handle it? And clearly, nowadays, the, the geopolitical equilibrium are very, very thin and very, very unstable. 
And uh, so this is a big risk because this information is not new, especially there is enough uh, written about this. It goes long, especially from like uh, Russia. Uh, it's a huge problem. And so what worries me is mostly that there is, this, there is apparently, I'm sure there is an effort, but there is no nowhere talked about that this is gonna, somebody is looking to for to find a solution for this for the text and this year is going to be crucial especially also because us as a user uh, we don't get uh, we don't get taught critical thinking skills i mean this is something that for if you are into threat uh, intel a lot in, in it's something you need to to i mean you, you cannot do well without this as a skill uh being a threat intelligence doesn't necessarily equal you you do you can know you know or you do critical thinking so it's not uh, granted but it's something you must be exposed but in general what i found it uh, so I'm, I'm very another disclaimer and bias like i'm very 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 into critical thinking uh, i like it a lot i i keep uh, also public reading list on my website uh for like books and resources i found useful and when I started uh, getting more into this, uh, like ten years ago, when when I was getting more exposed to threat intel, to me it's it's crazy that we don't teach these skills. This is something should be taught at school in school because you should be, especially nowadays, it's important because you read garbage all day long most of the times because of social media like Twitter, Facebook, it's a lot of garbage. Not necessarily from bot or AI generated, it's just already other people that are just misinformed people and gone with uh, with uh, pushing uh, misinformation so this is something that it's uh, it's scaring because of the context of the election year and uh, I mean if you play with uh, with uh, text generated OpenAI like to generate mm -hmm. some of the content like you know you can ask hey write me uh, an open ed or like I write an article in the style of Giorgio from the Economist and you will get a piece on the topic you want which it's very much resembling your style as you economist writer. And that's, that's, I mean, it's very hard for a trained mind to, to spot this. Uh, this is a huge problem. I'm not aware of, uh, are you aware of any of those efforts on text? No. Other efforts similar to this to Meta? Because this I, I seems mean, very, very, I mean, I, I appreciate the, the, the coming forward. It seems like a very thin effort still. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's actually one of the points that I was going to, uh, you know, uh, point out there. The thing is, actually, you mentioned two things that I think are very interesting. First of all, you know, is that maybe the, the final goal here is more about awareness, right? Uh, and the thing that, uh, of course, Facebook and Meta is trying to just uh, make people aware that this can happen, that, you know, uh, information can manipulate it also using AI. And I will say that that's appreciated. Uh, and I will say that's also one of the goal of this, this podcast right here, right? The thing is that, nice, we have a label on, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but we, we already pointed out that, you know, text can be uh, generated by AI or videos or audios. And, you know, Meta specified that this is going to be just for images. So even though well, you- marked images right so even a small subset <laughs> yeah that means even even though you find you know an image with a, a label on it that says you know created by ai 
that doesn't mean that anything else without the label is not yeah yeah and it it, it, by, uh, it may also about. give uh, a, a false sense of security to some people like you know like the 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 lock the famous right. lock oh, <laughs> there is a lock okay and nothing can go wrong uh it's a uh, connection is secure so yeah, if People may say, okay, if there is no label, then must be original. And uh, probably, I, I don't know if I, I stated the, maybe I toned down too much. I'm not saying that uh, what, like this, what I mean, it's not good enough because actually, as a human being, we are very vivid. We are, so uh, an image, mm -hmm. it gets, spreads very quickly That's and true. faster than a text because you, you see like, you know, you can fake a, uh, kids dead uh, due to U.S. bombing and say, oh, U.S., U.S., you know, like you want to blame the U.S. or whatever else. Yeah. That image, you don't need to read, you don't need to, I mean, you don't need to read the content in English, but you are maybe Italian, you don't understand English, you are uh, French, you know. So the image doesn't require language. So images, on one hand, is more powerful, actually, because it's vivid, because it's uh, uh, kind of countryless, borderless, and yeah. it's it can then gets viral very quickly, especially very crafted vivid images. So it's a good effort. The problem it's like saying, oh, we are going to detect AI generated because there is a watermark. Like there is no what's the, the magic? You know, like okay, I just check metadata, and it, in the metadata there is this. It's, uh, yeah. it's uh, like I would like, especially from a powerhouse like you know, Meta is gonna be going full. Like they finally, I get got rid of the the metaverse. Probably I don't know, but sure. it's kind of not That's really true. anymore. After they put the leg on the on the head of uh, Zuckerberg, uh, <laughs> they they kind of now uh, they're gonna go heavy. They, they did very nice investment in terms of people like talent in, in AI. That they're gonna move hard on it. Yeah. So I would hope, and maybe they're working on it. They're just not ready to come forward. Yeah, because it takes time to get uh, results. Probably, you know, if you announce it too early and the results are not that good, the risk is counter, like yeah. it's it's uh, counterproductive. So people will lose faith completely um, on it. Uh, but I hope, even if it's on images, which is easier than text to detect, as I, I can see that as a problem to be easier to tackle. But let's, I mean, it cannot be that only if it's watermarked you can detect it. That's, that's yeah, not enough. I mean, th that's the other topic, right? The thing that, you know, once again, okay, we need a we need a, a label in the metadata to do this, and that's that's fine. And I also agree that most of the you know um, major AI providers out there are going to do it because it's in their interest, and possibly they will have also some, uh, I would say, external you know uh, pressure to, to to do anything they they can, of course. But the other thing is that you know. There are so many other providers that are very small and you know not well known uh, as much as, of course, you know Google or, or um, OpenAI or whatever uh, that maybe are not not going to do that, right? Uh, and there are also so many open source softwares, right? That and open source models that you that you can use on your own or attackers can use, right? And maybe after this this um, uh, this announcement from Meta, they will have more interest in, uh, you know, working on their own open source uh, uh, technologies to to run their, um, you know, misinformation campaigns or whatever. And that's still a lot of 
data that can be created that will definitely not have a label on, on the, in the metadata, right? And uh, the thing that, you know, there's some information about it in the article itself that, you know, where they say, you know, they're working on uh, automatic identification, but they are not there yet. And the thing is that if Meta, which is one of the biggest tech company, you know, uh, out there, which definitely have an interest in this kind of technology, cannot even, you know, start uh, doing that kind of identification, that already says a lot to me, right? It says to me that um, we're not there. It's not going to happen, at least not uh, in... Uh, yes and no, because okay. uh, the other thing you should consider is that if, let's say there is a group of folks among your listeners, maybe that have good skills about, you right. know, again, ML uh, coding. If you take this as your main problem, you probably will solve it faster than me. That's not meta first problem, right? It's okay. not their top priority. So they have a shit ton of resources, <laughs> but they may allocate 2% of it to this problem, which That's is still like huge compared to other, but Let's say if you now start, decide to start a new company focusing on AI safety and security, kind of trust and safety AI that you want to be able just to, your goal is just to build uh, like uh, algorithms able to detect fake or AI generated content. Right. So that's your only and main objective. So it's it's a different, so the fact that Meta is not there, we don't know how much, I mean, we know that they are a power AI powerhouse. We know they have so much talent. They have, of course, so much money infrastructure that they could invest. But the point is how much of this pie it's allocated to tackling the fake content. Uh, right. Problem. Whether so. that, that's really a priori priority internally. For sure I mean. Yeah, for sure it's on the list, but uh, how much do they put? It it's, doesn't mean necessarily that if they cannot do it uh, because they may provide less than... Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a fair others. point. That, that's definitely a fair point. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. Um, like I I feel I'm I'm just worried because um, I think maybe we we have already some companies that just do that, right? That they want to to run a business out of the uh, in automatic uh, identification of AI generated content. Uh, but the thing is that. In the meanwhile, that AI-generated content gets better and better every, basically every month, right? We have yeah, we get harder and harder for sure. So it's probably that I'm just I don't know scared by. <laughs> all it's by it's a it's a tough problem. I agree. And also, uh, if my, what I'm scared of actually, it's uh, that if the only way the, I hope again there is something uh, more. Uh, cooking in the background, like they're working on other ways to detect this, mm -hmm. because uh, I can I can think about like okay, if the only way you can detect AI generated image is by looking for the watermark, how long is going to take to exactly find a reverse engineer and put that watermark on a legit image? And once you put that, that's like this. It's like if I were a kind of let's say this information, uh, say a Russian actor. My goal is to discredit because if I just manage to put some doubts on the technology that is supposedly able to label correctly what is fake content, what it's not, but then actually I can inject this and make you get on the wrong side. So like, okay, you say that it's label AI generated while it is not, 
then people stop believing on that label and then it's a uh, free reign for 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 the disinformation guys so that's uh, yeah and it's and, always a catch in the mouse uh, <laughs> of course cat in the mouse game yeah uh, i mean we 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 uh didn't even mention the fact that you know you could just scrape out the metadata from the file before uploading it. <laughs> so uh, I mean, I hope it's uh, there much more in like it's not just like uh, metadata easy property to to find it. They are gonna be yeah. very much uh, like say integrated into. It's not like a, I send you a PDF with a draft uh, clearly <laughs> I, written I in the so. background. I no, so. I'm, I'm I'm confident this type of metadata are something which is much more embedded. It's not that easy to. Uh, but again, you cannot rely on security to obscurity. You yeah. just don't say how you put the. So if it's not. Uh, no, I mean, I think there there are some open standards they are working on, and a couple of those are mentioned even in the article. By the way, I didn't mention this. I'm going to put all of the articles links in the description of the video. So feel free to go in there, do your own research, maybe understand more than what we are just you know talking about right now. And let us know maybe uh, if you know uh, something, something else that that's definitely appreciated. Um, so, two of those uh, standards are mentioned uh, in the article, and uh, you know they are made uh, made up specifically for this reason. So I I also hope uh, they are you know uh, difficult to to scrape out. Uh, but yeah. We will we will see uh, how it goes. Uh, it's definitely, no, no, it's uh, definitely an interesting problem, and uh, there will be more to come to this for sure. Absolutely, but I think that's it for this news because we have still a lot um, a lot more to talk about today. Uh, so I'm gonna try to be more that. concise. No, that that's fine. That, that's my job to to contain you. Let's say, but you know, <laughs> I, I definitely appreciate a lot. You know. Uh, uh, all of the discussion, all of the, the ideas that, you know, comes out. I, I always say that, you know, I do appreciate if anyone's going to watch this and listen to this and, uh, you know, uh, uh, gains any, any value out of, uh, out of it, but I'm already, you know, getting value myself, just, you know, talking with you. Nice. So that, that's, that's fine. I, I will hope, you know, to have more time, but that's how it goes. Right. Um, so. That said, uh, third news of the day, uh, and this I, I'm just uh, you know going through my 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 feed today, and a lot of people are are talking about this. It's even bigger than than I thought apparently for for the public out there. So we are talking about um, Canada, uh, which you know uh, I think one of their um, institutions were recently discussing uh, about you know the problem of uh, um, car theft. Right, that that has been a, an increasing issue, uh, especially in, you know in their country. But I I will say that's probably the same uh, in other countries as well. And you know one of the issues that they they think it's the the worst and they have to uh, address is the fact that there are you know um, technologies and tools out there that make you know fairly easy. Uh, to, to basically exploit uh, radio communications that are used for uh, the, um, uh, I would say, the locks, how, how would you call it, J just to open the car with the yeah. uh, remote. Um, and since there are so many videos on the internet on how to use those tools or just to, to show uh, how, how they are effective, let's say, 
um, it's it's been uh, uh, an interesting point, and they are now planning to definitely ban, you know, the 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 um, uh, importation of uh, those those tools and technologies uh, in uh, into Canada. And one of these technologies that uh, it's specifically mentioned is the the Flipper Zero. So we actually have a, a an image here, a photo here. Uh, this has been a, a um, you know a, a very famous tool slash toy, I would say, uh, out there um, that everyone is talking about, everyone is buying, everyone is testing, and it's basically a um, like a multi-use tool that can you know copy, replicate. Um, anything regarding uh, wireless communications, radio communication of any type. And we're talking about, you know, those cards that you use to open your door at the hotel or, uh, you know, Bluetooth communications or uh, anything you use to, to even to pay. We use an NFC today, right? I, I'm not sure if you can do anything with the payment cards, but that's definitely one of the uh, radio technologies this, is, uh, this kind of tool is targeting. And also, of course, any any remote that is going to open a, uh, a car or a garage or something uh, can be can be uh, targeted by by this kind of tool. Now, the kind of discussion that is is, is uh, going on out there is the fact that does it? Well, I understand why they are addressing this kind of technologies, but does it make sense? Is it effective to you know? Bana technology, or the um, you know just selling and, and uh, uh, doing commercials about this uh, to stop that kind of risk, is, is that a thing? It, as <laughs> you know, um, do we have any examples of similar things that happened before and actually worked? Well, I mean, not because clearly they didn't study history and the prohibitions kind of uh, never worked. I mean, it feels like a bit going back to the the crypto world in the 90s, uh, the, right. like crypto, and I mean the real meaning of crypto, not the bastardized yeah. use that is being done uh, nowadays. Uh, so when governments were trying to outlaw cryptography because, oh, bad guys can use it and we cannot intercept their communication. So nobody should use it. So it's... Uh, I mean, that, that's still going on, right? We, we had multiple... Yeah. Is every now and then somebody trying to yeah. do trying to break encryption or to put some backdoors? It's 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 a, it's a stupid. Uh, and this is the same. It's uh, the so historically we know that this doesn't work because you you well, you're gonna prevent just random people to buy it because uh, you know when I when I did my thesis I remember my bachelor thesis was on on uh, writing a, a tool to do DRM on. on Digital content on uh, so okay. uh, digital rights management, so like uh, you know, copyrights. Uh, and but I remember, like, yeah, but and then I was thinking, but then somebody's skill can just break. And at the end, my one of my advisors was like, you know, the goal is to keep honest people honest. Hmm. It's with this thing, it's you will not prevent the criminal for buying Flipper Zero, ordering it even in the underground forum, or just buying it from somewhere else, put it in the pocket, and like. like Knives, right? Yeah, it's, you can put it wherever you want. You can assemble, and if it's not flipped zero, it's you can do it with your do-it-yourself hardware. Um, the it's like I always it's like banning kitchen knives because some criminals start to stab people with kitchen knives. 
So if the primary use is, I mean, a gun, it's it's a, it's a, it's a weapon. Right? That, that is no other use. You can't cook with it. I mean, probably some people may okay. also do that. But it's not made <laughs> for that purpose. The, the purpose of a gun is to shoot things and life or death already or objects. So there is no way around it. That's something, yes, you know what you can use it for. You cannot say, oh, go out with a loaded gun to, to some bait. But this is built, it's, it's a multi, it's of course built, I like some of the comments in the article that, I mean, trying to, from, which is fine, like 3.0 cannot be used, some of the executive or the people behind that, like cannot be used for to drive a car or the new car cannot be do that, or it requires other stuff. Yes, of course you can, it's intended, but the point is, this is a thing, a tool intended for actually the, the, the security testing, but in general it's like, it's you're not gonna block criminals because now they know they, they, the problem is actually on the other side, it's like, how can we build secure by design or more secure entry locks for cars, for example, or for doors? Uh, just, I, don't know, I don't know, because I've seen some video like that, they were getting close to, because usually you drop your keys at the entrance, so they right. get close with a big antenna, and then they uh, kind of trigger the, the, the car to, I don't know, maybe have a remote a key card that if it's closed, just it's off, and regardless of how much uh, radio signal you try to inject, nothing happens. I'm just speculating, not too sure if it's possible, I'm not a hardware guy. Uh, but the, we, we, this is a cure for the symptoms, not for the cause. So if it's not this, they will do their own flipper zero with the probably a Raspberry Pi customized. And what are we going to do? Ban Raspberry Pi next? And what's next? The one will come later? So sure, try to, I don't know. But we should look, okay, probably those are like, uh, you know, we are both Italians, so I say like, Probably the system kind of a scola pasta. It's like you know, the, 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 the things where for the non-Italian listeners, it's the container where you throw the pasta with the water so that it's full of holes so that the water goes down and you just keep the pasta. So are those things full of holes? Are security scola pasta? And then that's what we should maybe require that car manufacturers implement certain type of controls, certain level of security. You want to give the features of... Uh, accessing your car from the internet, okay, it must be secure, otherwise you are fine. Uh, so I, I find this stupid as a, as, a, as a reaction to ban it. Yeah, definitely. Like, there, there's, there's a lot we, like I, I could say about this. Um, well, first of all, like, okay, we are talking about the Flipper Zero that is a very specific product here, right? But what what about any other tool that is similar to this? Is uh, the Canada government going to track all of the you know radio frequency exploitation tools out there, uh, or is it going to ban I don't know Raspberry Pi because it can be used potentially right uh, to to build something no, like this yourself uh, at home? Doesn't uh, make any sense. I mean, it's I would say it's not effective. I understand the, the kind of reasoning, but it's ju just not, uh, uh, you know, fixing the, the issue at all. In any, I mean, they will see probably a drop in car hijacking for a month, or just the time for the criminals to somebody in the <laughs> underground come up either with a new way, a new device, or do-it-yourself right. type of instructions, and then go back to where we were before. So that's not the 
you are not solving the problem. You are curating the the yeah, symptoms so. and other things. And as I'm thinking, I mean, how how are you going to to stop it? Like to enter the the uh, the borders? I think there, there there are going to be so many as uh, so false positives, right? Uh, I feel like anyone checking the, the packages for anything like this will probably block any any other technologies just because you know. It no, could it's be. it's a, it's uh, impossible to control. Right. I mean, okay. it's only good you can control, like, you know, you can ban, let's say, known uh, uh, research. Like, you, you will just basically, official shops will not be able to sell it. Right. That's the only way. You cannot check every electronic device that enters your country. Right. There is just so many, like, my bag when I do the Chukina at the airport, it's like filled with devices. Uh, so you cannot check everything. Uh, you will only be able to stop uh, Amazon and whatever are the other known uh, online shop that sell stuff to Canada, and they, they cannot do it. But uh, it's uh, I mean, you just go on the um, underground one, forums and you buy it. You know, there will be a secondary market. Yeah, sorry. No problem. Um, one final point that I would like to discuss very briefly is, uh, and, and I'm doing the the devil's advocate here, right? You mentioned that, you know, this could be like a, a kitchen knife, right? Which, you know, main goal is not to, to, to stab people in the back, but it's to actually help you cook. Um, but what about this kind of tools? So what's the goal about, you know, of this kind of tool? It's basically to exploit the, those kind of technologies, right? There's no, I mean, if you are creative, I, I'm sure you can find a lot of ways to use it for other reasons. But I will probably say that the main objective, the main goal which this tool was designed was to actually exploit those, those kind of technologies, to find and use some vulnerabilities in you know, uh, radio frequencies and so on and so forth. So would you really compare this to a radio knife or would you say this is actually like a gun? It's, it's like, let's say, a digital weapon of some sort. No, because, I mean, sure, you can argue that, okay, it was uh, originally designed for security testing, which means breaking into network protocol legally, but still breaking into network protocol then legally or not. It's like you can, and then it would be the equivalent say, okay, weapons are also used by law enforcement. So right. uh, 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 that's alleged uh, use. Um, it's... I mean, they're not used only for hacking into things. They're used for quality. Uh, you can use that for like radio frequency testing, quality signals. Yeah, you can use for all, all sorts of things, not necessarily to hack, of course, as a kind of industry. But uh, the, the only way to check if you can break into something is trying to break it. Uh, like every technology, how can you? Okay, this is secure by design. I mean, if you try, like after you design it, in in theory it's theoretically secure, then what you do, you do a security test, like a stress test. You you have like a kind of a physical red team, uh, penetration test, side channel attack. You try to do things like, otherwise it's not enough to say on paper was, okay. The theory tells us that if we put these two controls, it's unbreakable. And then you put it into practice and it goes like in two seconds. Uh, so you need those devices as well, uh, but it's, uh, it's not a only for it's not a tool only for hacking. Right. It's like for testing uh, radio signals or doing things with radio signals. Uh, 
So it's, it has been built by the community that is closer to the hacking community. So I, I get it. I get that. But again, the, the point it's 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 uh, yeah. I mean, I could insist that I could you know argue even more, saying that okay, maybe you're right. But at that point, I will probably say that only security professional could uh, you know have you know possess and uh, and use this kind of tools and any other person out there well, you need a license not... like a gun right <laughs> it won't work anyway <laughs> no i mean i mean i i definitely agree with you actually no no, no because again we are curate we are trying we are looking at the yeah. the problem is that the cars are are, are completely insecure are vulnerable right. that's the problem so instead of putting effort money time and brain power to think about how can we forbid this thing, just, okay, put the same amount of energy and resources to think, hey, how can we make this harder to happen? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I always do this, also in, you know, uh, previous episodes uh, with uh, with other guests. I like to replicate this kind of conversation because it's something that we see out there a lot, right, with regulators and, uh, uh, and you know, just um, builders and uh, developers doing just their own stuff. And I think it's helpful to kind of find out how, you know, there's no, um, there's no, uh, let's say, uh, um, final statement, uh, final result uh, uh, in this kind of conversation, right? The point is that regulators should do what, it, what is more effective to fix the final issue, right? And the thing is that doing this kind of stuff uh, is not going to fix the issue, right? It's no. a lot more useful, a lot more effective if you just go to the car, you know, developers and builders and say, you know, you have this kind of issues, we need to fix it. And from now on, there will be, you know, uh, more strict requirements for, for these radio frequencies used uh, on cars or whatever. Yeah. If you want to ship a product, you must be accountable for its security. Right. I mean, of course, not that it's unhackable, but it is something yeah. I was pushing when I was working at the European Commission for uh, data, like if you are a software company, like you hold personal data, you mm -hmm. must be accountable if, I mean, if you can prove you did everything in power, let's say there are some security controls which are known or some vulnerability which are known and you didn't take measures against right. those, then it's uh, this is ne negligence, which you should be accountable for. Of course, if tomorrow there is a zero day and somebody used yeah. a zero day, to, eh, okay, you cannot, but you want to ship a tech product? Okay, you are accountable for its security and have timely updates. Are you going to ship a car and then not having a means to provide update easily, not like super complex stuff that you need to go to the dealer, take a USB, then jump into the car, open it, go down. Right, right. It has to be something that any user can do. Uh, if you cannot do this, then don't, don't be in the market. But uh, yeah, lobbies and things, it's, it's, it's hard. It's easy yeah. to say. And, uh... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think this is the, the perfect, let's say, uh, statement to, to, to finish the conversation about this, this news. Um, because uh, we have just the, the last one today uh, that I think it's going to be another interesting one. Um, so uh, we, we, we had, you know, uh, discussed a lot about, uh, you know, mm -hmm. ransomware as an industry, as a community, but also in, you know, in this podcast specifically. Um, but I still think this is one of the, you know, um, biggest 
threat nowadays. And uh, we definitely need as a community to keep talking about it and keep learning about it, you know, uh, to, to be able to, to address this kind, of, uh, this kind of threat, this kind of issue and uh, find, way, find ways, of course, to um, address it, you know, respond to it or possibly prevent it, if, even though it, that's not always possible. Now, the thing that happened at this time was that, you know, um, uh, the article is talking about, uh, I think the FBI specifically, um, the, basically they, uh, I think they often do that. They put some um, uh, amount of money, uh, uh, let's say, on, on the head of, you know, criminals and of cyber criminals as well. Um, to, to anyone which could provide any information that could end up with uh, um, arresting those, uh, those people in the end. Um, and uh, they are also doing this with uh, uh, ransomware gangs, what we usually call ransomware gangs, or let's say those uh, threat groups that you know, um, basically use ransomware as their uh, main uh, medium to, uh, to target uh, organizations. And uh, this time we're talking about a specific one against the, uh, I think it's called the Hive, right? Hive ransomware. Um, and it's it's even more interesting, um, you know, apart from the fact that it's uh, a total of 15 millions of dollars, which is a pretty high amount, I would say. Uh, I think it's even uh, more interesting because um, this uh, comes after I think last year, uh, U.S. government actually seized um, a big part of uh, the Hive uh, infrastructure, right? Uh, in terms of you know their basic command and control uh, infrastructure, and uh, that says a, a lot to me because the point is that even after a big campaign like the one that uh, happened last year that seized their command and control and everything, uh, you know, apparently that's not enough to stop this kind of uh, threat, this kind of cyber criminals. And um, the fact that they're just raised, you know, the amount of money they are offering in exchange of information, uh, it says a lot on how big this is a threat for the US government, how big this is uh, uh, a priority, right, uh, for them um, uh, compared to, to other kind of uh, threats and compared to other kind of criminals. And I mean, I have a few questions, but I will, you know, uh, let you talk about it. Uh, just your first thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's um, the, we have seen also with botnets uh, back in the days that uh, you managed to assess a very strong hit, like uh, seizing a uh, uh, C2 server, being able to inject and update all the victims, and then they come back uh, because it's not easy. Uh, for sure, and the problem, especially now with the, with the ransomware, it's uh, ransomware gang, is that the incentives for them are so high because they operate usually from countries where there is first of all no extradition. The local authority, like it's the law, is uh, don't target our people, and you can do whatever you want. So they, it's uh, what's what's the the risk for them that they cannot travel abroad. In, Many countries, but it's uh, like the, the 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 amount of money they're getting is insane. Uh, the problem is now, and I would say that it's a U.S. problem. It's a it's a global plug. I would right. dare to call it nowadays. 
because they start to now don't care anymore what they hit. Uh, not that it was okay, okay, at only eat only private corporation, that's fine. No, it's not fine in general. But hitting, now they we reached the moment that we're hitting uh, hospitals, especially. They're hitting uh, water facilities. So we tend to, and coming from the ICS, uh, most recently from the ICS field, what we call critical infrastructure, so we don't see often hospitals in there, even though they're there, but like you know, uh, some of the big player claim to 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 provide help and support to to less uh, uh, let's say big type of uh, critical infrastructure sector like water and hospitals. But the point is that those kind of two sectors are let on their own because they are usually public with not much money, so they cannot pay the big vendor fee, uh, and therefore that's no business for them. And despite uh, big claims on the media, the reality is that there is not much service provided. Uh, while energy and all the other manufacturing, these are all private sectors, so there is money there, so they can also kind of look out for themselves, meaning paying uh, the big name of the that they need to, to help them with security. So the, again, um, I probably be listener will get tired to, to see this repeating, but again, uh, this is something I think it's uh, it's a great if they can do it because as action may. If it works, it, it, as the article say, we put uh, it's a kind of also a test, like you know, they are they gonna is there gonna be somebody internally inside that it's willing? I mean, at the end they work for money; they're mercenaries, so money is probably the best thing you can offer them to to to, to you know to turn uh, to turn aside. The point is again, <laughs> after we we knock off the hive group, that will be the next one uh, for sure. If it will happen that somebody internally will kind of betray them and will give up everything to really knock them out for good, this will be a big trust issue in the ransomware ecosystem among themselves, like, oh, look, now we cannot trust anyone else because as soon as there is a big paycheck coming from some governments. So this is this is going to be good for us because it will mine their, their kind of grounds, uh, but still is not... The, the, the point is that we need to to try to keep again goes back to the first news of complexity uh, like we have very complex system and some of our sectors are left left on their own hospitals they have no money so there is no vendor in there nobody cares and it's that they are they are the mercy of, of whoever goes hacking them first uh, I think on one hand sometimes I feel like you know that lawyers they are required to provide some percentage of their time as a free service to, you know, okay. if you have, uh, if you are low income, no income, you get a kind of uh, right. do feature like a, a lawyer that is given to you by the system because you cannot afford one. So every lawyer is maybe every big vendor should be obliged to provide 2% of the resources for free to hospitals like public hospitals. If they're private, of course, then you have a different type of uh, income. Uh, this is not going to solve their ransomware issues for sure, but it's, it's. I think we need to, the, the ransomware plug became so big now that we need to have a multi-layer type of approach. We don't need to come only, okay, we hit them now. Okay, there will be the next ransomware game, which will take the place of them and we'll keep going. Uh, 
we need to tackle them with this on one side. So let's try to hunt their like their their ground, their their their, their, their belief that they're solid, uh, but also try to let's try to work towards having a more hardened like more secure like work towards making it more difficult not only as somebody said like imposing costs like hey you hack if we catch you and we will catch you it's going to be tough for you so the incentive should be like okay maybe it's not that convenient for me anymore uh, but also we need to keep working on our side because you know uh, to, to make it uh, more difficult for them to, to reach and or to make it easier to detect like working on the technology side on the vendor side, like I said before, is it uh, something that is visible? I don't know, but I, I haven't seen, again, water and hospital, I feel like they are two so vital sector that nobody cares until they don't go on the news. And then of course you want your name as a vendor next to them on the news. And then you are of course providing them all the support. But for the big uh, ICS vendors, uh, it's more of uh, advertisement out there than, than what they yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. Uh, and, and I think, you know, it's very interesting what you were suggesting before, like what if all of the big vendors were uh, forced to provide, I don't know, maybe discounted kind of uh, uh, services to, to some specific, you know, um, I would say, uh, how do you say it? Um, critical infrastructure. Critical infrastructure, yeah. Um, that's that's an interesting thought, uh, thought, and uh, I I don't know uh, if that could actually happen, but it will be definitely interesting to um, to explore it as an idea at least, right? Um, so you you actually par already partially uh, answered that question that I wanted to to ask you, uh, which is a little tricky. I, I don't even know if it really makes sense, but I I'm going to to sure. ask it uh, nevertheless. So. Um, I was asking myself while reading this, who is the target of this kind of bounties, right? Uh, we say that the, especially the FBI very often do that, right? But who is the main target they are talking to? As you said, you know, probably uh, internal people from the, the threat group itself that maybe would uh, yeah. uh, be yeah. convinced to, to sell the, the uh, the, their friends and uh, no, whoever and, it's as always whoever has information that may lead to right? a conviction of one of the members yeah that, that's the, the point rest. right uh, technically anyone could reach out to the FBI and say oh you know I have yeah. some information you know so maybe you're my friend and I'm one of the hive gang and you, you right. know that I do this on the side or you are my partner and you know hey my husband does this actually I, I i feel bad and guilty plus right. i hate him because he beats me and i like the money so uh why not okay but i think there's a there's another scenario which i want to suggest and see what you think about this uh is do you think this is um somehow um uh, let's say uh incentivating random people to make their own uh investigations to find out about any information about the, this, this people right here, this, this criminals right here, so they can win the bounty and make some money. I, I mean, you I mean, are, you, you know a lot more than me about this. You know, there are people doing <clears throat> threat intelligence as, as their yep. uh, work, right? And basically looking for information, I think most of the time about tactics and technologies 
but you could definitely find out about you know yeah, yeah, yeah there is like uh, i mean if you see the work of bellingcat for example they they right? go down to the address of the people it's uh, exactly. amazing uh why not hmm. i'm all for it i mean it does to me it does as long of course as you don't incentivize uh, kind of you know self-justice and violence like oh uh, dead or alive, uh, you know, like the old wanted poster from the Western, dead or alive, so I don't care if you kill him as long as you bring it to me. You, as long as you don't incentivize this, it's all it's all game for me. Like, uh, you have the skills to track uh, those people down by yourself. I mean, maybe don't do it uh, to the point you expose yourself because you may risk your, you know, uh, there is a your life at, at stake here because those, they don't, they don't care. Those folks. Yeah. Uh, there are there have been researchers that have received uh, life threats uh, from those right. gangs. Uh, so it's uh, their only risk is like you may incentivize people who may put themselves at risk. But the one that uh, are actually gonna go closer to find those folks are people who are already into the game and they know that, that what's at stake. And so I I'm okay if somebody that is very good at OSINT or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, can say, hey, you know what? I want to retire. Let me find those. Can I say bastard? <laughs> it's like the time. Yeah. And uh, and get some money and also do something good for society. So, yeah. and they usually know the rule of the game. But yeah, I, I'm all in for it. Yeah. You, you, you know, uh, uh, went exactly to the point where where I was you know thinking about you know the, there there are, there are also some risks right so maybe I will say do it just if you are confident that <clears throat> you know your stuff and you know how to uh, you know protect yourself while doing so uh, because th this is not some some kind of joke you know you can definitely risk your own life or or maybe you know your yeah, yeah, you should put the disclaimer. Don't try this at home. While exactly. <laughs> it, the final, the final question. <clears throat> sorry, because of this. <clears throat> so the final question is: uh, Would you say that also companies are entitled to to ask, you know, uh, for the bounty if they provide some information? Like I don't know, we have company X doing threat intelligence because they are a provider of threat intelligence? As long as, uh, I, I, don't th I mean, I don't know now the specific of these bounties and uh, how, I mean, this is the specific of the US law. Uh, yeah. I absolutely, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's, uh, it's absolutely fair that a company, again, as long as they don't breach the law themselves. Yeah, of course. So, then you can say probably they were, if you provide really good information, maybe you will not get asked too many questions how you got them, and then nobody will know if you did it or not. And it's again probably fair game uh, if you want to be like, okay, nobody should break, break the law. And also, I don't actually, I'm mostly thinking about, I mean, OSINT is you're not breaking any law, it's just information sitting out there. Right. Uh, you just need to be good to find them. Uh, like, again, I always use the Bellingcat because they're the, one of the best crew, not the best. Uh, mm -hmm uh to do this and uh they're not breaking any any law they just kind of really they just google shit they know how to do it properly <laughs> and uh they go they know how to look for specific information uh, which tools to use to do specific uh, to search specific uh, type of info uh so it's uh yeah company that do this why not again as long as you do everything legally 
do it. That would Great. be a good uh, round of investment for the company. Why not? <laughs> right. Yeah, I really thought that, you know, this could be a, a very good uh, thing to, to, to focus on, right? If you're maybe into, into the, the industry and maybe you, you yes. are, you know, uh, <laughs> supporting your own research uh, with the uh, uh, bounties. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's at the end, it's like a bug bounty program. You know? It's a company right? you can do bug, <laughs> live a bug bounty. This is a kind of... Bug, a, the only difference is that here it's good to do, but uh, again, you should know that the, the stakes are high and uh, and the risk involved are not uh, negligible. So uh, it's something, especially as a company, you don't want to, you know, like uh, if you are the you know, CEO founder of a company and you decide to do this as a company, you can put at risk everyone working for your company because then they will not right. just know the company, XYZ is, is doing this and they're going to go after whoever is working for this company. So uh, there are many considerations to take into account, but as long as you do it legally, I think whether you are an individual uh, company, it's, uh, anyone who provides uh, good information that can uh, get to catch those people, it's, it's, it's game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, that, 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 I think that was very interesting. Uh, I think, you know, even from an article where there's uh, so so little as a, as as an event itself, as a fact itself, right? Uh, there's there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to that anyone can learn. Maybe maybe you didn't know about those bounties at all. Maybe uh, maybe you didn't know uh, you know all of the consequences or, or of you know all, uh, about the research uh, to target those uh, uh, folks, those cyber criminals there. Um, I, I really. Yeah, once again, I'm just so glad to to be able to have this kind of conversation, and I'm so thankful to to you uh, this time, Pasquale, for you know just joining me today, um, and I uh, hope you know you you also enjoyed a little bit uh, yourself. Absolutely. Hopefully, also you know uh, the people that are looking at this right now, or you know just as a reminder, this is live. Every episode is live. Uh, stay tuned for for new for new episodes, and if you want to. Uh, maybe to be notified, consider subscribing to the YouTube channel or all of the other social media, whatever. Um, uh, but also, all of these episodes will uh, are recorded, be uh, available in the in the channel. I will also re-upload the audio only on uh, the you know Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, or all of those platforms. So feel free to uh, check those if you prefer. And uh, hopefully, you know, uh, I know Pasquale is very busy, so uh, maybe I'll try to invite in, uh, him uh, once again in, uh, I don't know, one year or more. <laughs> no, But for now, I just, you know, thank you for, for you know, uh, just this session was very interesting, uh, very insightful. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you for that. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Uh the chat so hopefully the listeners as well yeah yeah absolutely cool so uh thank you everyone uh see you on the next episode and uh you know subscribe if you uh, just want to be notified uh when it happens bye everyone thank you bye thank you